0: Welcome back as we head into Hour 3, closing out the week, closing out the day, send you on your way home. We are delighted once again to have in studio with us Rabbi Pinchas Alush, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E. He is the host of the Rabbi Alush podcast, heard on Apple Podcasts, um, about three to five minutes uh, once a week, change your life. And he is the head rabbi at Congregation Beth Tefila on she, Tefillah on Shay T-E-F-I-L-L-A-H. As he likes to say, anyone is welcome, religious, not religious, Jewish, not Jewish. Rabbi, welcome back. It's good to see you. Thank you. It's great to see you too, Seth, and great to be back. Thank you. You always uh, bless us uh, with your presence, and it's kind of always a nice thing to end the week and go into the weekend with a kind of a Sabbath or Shabbos mentality and leave some of the the tougher uh, political stuff a little bit behind as we go into a little repose, uh, thinking about higher and more durable permanent things. Is this an extraordinarily busy time of year where as we're entering into what's known as the high holiday season or is every day about the same for you? No, you're right.
1: I mean, it's a busier season. Some call it... The Super Bowl season of yeah. rabbis. <laughs> yeah.
0: But, uh, you know, we deal with it. We deal with it, hopefully, in the best way possible. Say something about the high holidays. So it's the new year next weekend. Say why, why it's called the high holidays or the high holidays season.
1: Right. So the high holidays really kick off with Rosh Hashanah that comes uh, comes up next Friday evening. Um, and that signifies really the beginning of the year for, according to the Jewish calendar. It is called the head of the year. Uh, Not just the beginning of the year because on a more profound level it is in a way a day of judgment in which God decides what will happen to each and every one of us human beings and us creatures of the world during the next coming year. So it is a day in which the entire year is defined up in heaven by God himself. Thus it is considered not just a day of celebration, as any new year of any religion would would uh, uh, see, see that type of event. But it is also considered a day of prayer, a day of self-reflection, a day of uh, beseeching God to indeed write and seal us in all of the good books for the upcoming
0: year. It's an interesting time because uh, synagogues, uh, sometimes they even have to rent out extra space. This is when people who may not come in on a more regular basis really do show up. And I was... Um, you may not agree with this i i, I don 't know i was I was at a uh, one in New, in washington d c one year one particular Rosh Hashanah, and uh, the novelist he was a religious man herman wook w o u k was speaking to the congregation and uh, he was saying it 's good to see so many people here it 's more important that you be here on saturdays <laughs> uh, the point is is that it 's great uh, obviously to have everyone anytime right but right. Uh, but his point was, uh, it would be nice to see you more than once a year. <laughs> that's right.
1: I would make the same point to uh, my were, own uh, okay. context, <laughs> <Yeah, all right. laughs> Because, you know, as we often say, to fly into an emotion is easy. Yeah. But I'm about to translate it into action, yeah. day-to-day action. That's much harder. But that, in a way, is the goal of life, mm. isn't it? Yeah.
0: It's interesting that you used the word judgment. I wrote it down when you said that because it relates to this week's uh, – Torah or Bible portion, a little bit, it seems to me, and I want to talk about that in relation, of course, to the title of your podcast this week, How to Live Life to Your Fullest. Um, it's a double portion this week, roughly Deuteronomy, end of Deuteron- Deuteronomy 29, something, Deuteronomy 30, something. Um, there's a lot of there is a lot of warnings about judgment in this uh, in this it's uh, it's about it, it, it's called what Nitzavim and Vayelech right? right and and you 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 get a lot of beseeching here is <laughs> I wonder if it's deliberate because it's leading one into a Rosh Hashanah period
1: sure I mean there's uh, the, there's a great correlation between these portions that you just mentioned yeah. to the new year to this day of judgment but um, you know to to dwell on this this word that may seem a little and scary for people judgment Um, I I do want to add an additional layer and that is that it is true that we live in a life in which we have in in a world and we live lives in which we have to be accountable there are rules to this world by the creator of this world he's entitled to make rules for his own creation Mm -hmm. but uh, on the other hand let us also remember that as a great Hasidic master put it the judge is our father Mm -hmm. and our father also has some compassion mm-hmm. even though we may not be following the rules all
0: of the time. Well, let's now that we're into it in uh, in this portion of Deuteronomy, let's let's stick there for a moment and then we'll lead into your podcast because I did write down um something there from it. But when you do return to god and you and your children heed him god will restore you and turn his love to you there is a not just judgment but a uh, so, shall we say redemption or forgiveness element to this too right that's right that's right and
1: forgiveness is maybe one of the major themes also of the high holiday right. season we right. we are speaking about rosh hashanah the day of judgment but let us not forget that 10 days later is is the holiest day in the jewish calendar the day of yom kippur which is literally translated as the day of forgiveness, Mm -hmm. because God indeed forgives, and he forgives not just once, not just
0: twice, but many, many times. It's interesting, too, that for everything we've read that Moses brings down from God, and it looks perhaps whelming, not overwhelming, but whelming. Overwhelming is a superlative of whelming. Mm. So I'm going to say it it looks whelming, and the reason I'm going to say it is because we are told, the instruction I give is not baffling or out of reach. It is not in the heavens or beyond the sea. It is close to you, in your mouth and in your heart. In other words, they're saying this is doable. Right. You know, if
1: I may indulge your listeners uh, with this uh, uh, Hasidic story mm-hmm. about uh, a certain person named Jankel, mm-hmm. who once had a dream. He lived in Poland, and he had a dream that under the bridge of... Uh, The city of Prague, there's an immense treasure. So he decided to follow his dream and travel all the way to Prague. He started digging right in the spot that he saw in the dream for this treasure. And as he was digging, a policeman comes to him and says, hey, you can't just be digging here. He says, well, I'm digging for a treasure. I dreamt about it. He says, what are you talking about? He says, yeah, yeah, I dreamt about a treasure being right here. policeman says it's so funny because I dreamt that under the oven of a guy named Yankol in Poland, (laughs) there's a massive treasure there too. (laughs) Yankol realizes, really, could he be speaking about me? So he rushes back home, digs under his oven and finds an immense treasure, which is really a great lesson of life. Sometimes we think that happiness is out there, that the treasures of the world are out there. But all we need to do is dig inside our hearts, and there we'll find the greatest of treasures.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot. Actually, I was—it's—it's it's funny, but there's there's a big metaphor to that. Uh, it, something we've talked about before: going out into the world, maybe take care of your own house first, which just goes back to why we build parapets on the roof and all that sort of thing. Make your own place right. safe first, right? right? Make that holy.
1: Uh, the, absolutely, and and the the great message here is that until you haven't into your own heart, you'll never be at peace. First, find out who you truly are, what your talents, what your God-given skills are. Actualize them. Be the best version of yourself, as they say. And then you'll start not just finding that happiness, but also being a a citizen of the world that is an impactful one, a giving one.
0: You know, I get... The question often, just in my line of work, uh, and with my last name, why are um, why why are why are the Jewish pe- why are so many Jewish people seemingly so disproportionately involved in particular social movements, political movements, more often than not, by a long shot, on the left, and I and and I it, there is something about what you're saying i think that connects that point a little bit there's an agitation there's a sense of agitation and there's a sense of agitation for people who may not be so comfortable with their own with with, with their with their own situation and not settled in themselves that they feel like their 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 redemption is by fixing the rest of the world sometimes not in positive ways hmm.
1: that's right that's right, unfortunately. Because they're not. not
0: bringing it with a full, complete, anyway, you, you take the
1: That's point. right, and I think it goes back to what we spoke about at the very beginning. That is that you find Jews in synagogues on Yom Kippur yeah. or on Rosh Hashanah, not necessarily during the rest of the year. And to me, it seems like a great dichotomy yeah. because if you don't believe, if you call yourself an atheist, yeah. why do you show up yeah. at the synagogue yeah. on Yom Kippur? Yeah. But if we dig deeper into this, I think you will find the calling of the soul. Okay. I think every one of us has a divine soul within that haunts us, that calls upon us. And very often we just shut it down. Yeah. But it catches up to us at one point or another on Rosh Hashanah, on Yom Kippur or during a crisis in life.
0: Yes and, and and up until that time it can be directed appropriately or misdirected outwardly That's right, right? and that's okay. the agitation you speak about That's the agitation. All right, I have a lot more to do with you Rabbi Elush. Rabbi Pinchas Alush, he'll be uh with us and uh right after this. All right, be right back. Rabbi Pinchas Alush is my guest A L L O U C H E. He joins us most Fridays. Uh probably have to debate about next one, I'm guessing, but <laughs> we'll see. Right. Just, we'll, we'll, see. Just, we'll see how many needs the community has versus how many needs we have here, Rabbi. <laughs> uh, he, his congregation, Beth Tefillah on Shea, T-E-F-I-L-L-A-H, and the host of his weekly podcast, the Rabbi elush Podcast on Apple Podcast. One more direct part from uh, this week's Bible and Torah, or, or Torah reading, if I may, and then I want to get into your podcast a little bit more, if that's okay. Interesting Says says uh, in, uh, in this portion of Deuteronomy, I am giving you life and prosperity or death and adversity is how I wrote it down. I'm giving you life and prosperity or death and adversity is a second portion close by. I'm giving you death, and life. choose life. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's repeated twice. It's right. said twice. Right. As a- carefully. Is that the message? It's, it's very, very
1: interesting because there are two types of life. Okay. There's one life which is just existing. I think most of us live that type of life. We exist. we got to work to amass money and to buy stuff, whether it's food or just earthly possessions, and thereby we exist. But there is life that is much deeper than that. To quote Winston Churchill, I think some say it wasn't Winston Churchill who said it, but he or someone else famously said that we make a living by what we get, yet we make a life by what we give. Okay. And that's a different type of life. It's a life in which we become active participants in God's role in this world, in which we too become givers. We too make this world brighter and better. That's a whole different type of life. And what Moses is saying is that sometimes you will have times in which you uh, your only goal should be to survive because your the persecution will be too great, the suffering too deep. But there will be times in which you'll be able to finally breathe a little bit. Don't forget that your role, your ultimate role is not just to get, but to give. It's not just to survive and exist, but to actually live.
0: Well, you're very good because that's a perfect segue to the podcast that you recorded this week, How to Live Life to Your Fullest. And it's interesting. I'll let you encapsulated or, or, you know, uh, uh, I'll let you describe it for us in a moment, but it's an interesting contrast that we're focused on life when so much of this part of the ending of the Torah is about the death of Moses, Mm -hmm. this interesting dichotomy, paradox, if you will. Uh, But what are we getting at with uh, how to live life to your fullest?
1: Right. And what is fascinating to me also, and in a way I addressed that in the podcast, yeah is that Moses was probably the only human being who knew exactly when he would I was going
0: to ask you that because again and again we're told we will never know the right. day of our death, and yet,
1: yet this m- guy does. Moses is told at this the age guy. of 120, yeah. on your 120th birthday, you will die. So he knows that on his 120th birthday, he is living
0: his last day on right. on,
1: on on planet Earth. He actually Earth.
0: knows the day of his death. That's right. Unlike anyone else.
1: Now, now that poses, that yeah. begs the question, right? What would we do if God were to appear to us and tell us that today is our last day? Would we change anything in what we're about to do? I think most of us would because we would want to try and check boxes in our bucket list or we want to try and say last goodbyes, whatever it may be. But Moses doesn't change a thing on his last day. What he did every day of his life ever since he became the leader of the Israelites in Egypt He continued to do on his last day, and that was to teach, to empower, to give, pointing to this idea that if we live a life of purpose, when that day will come, really, we won't have to change anything because our lives will have been well lived, fully lived. Yeah,
0: there's nothing to make up for. There's right. no, you have no regrets. You can just do what you would normally do. Moses, he continues to teach Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses the teacher. Yes, is that where why we call him that? That's
1: right. That's right. And and the flip side of that, maybe to make this big idea more practical, I would challenge any one of your listeners and including myself, I would challenge all of us to ask the question of whether we are doing today what we would be doing on the very last day of our lives the question is yes then kudos to you the question is no maybe there's some things we need to change
0: yeah i want to push you on that a little bit rabbi if i might because i i picked up as i tell people i have to listen to this three to five minute podcast Mm -hmm. several times to get everything and the last time i heard or the fourth or fifth time i was listening today i I took this sentence from you didn't pick it up the first time set goals every day Mm -hmm. set goals every day and I was going to ask you if you might share with the audience the kinds of goals you set or people you know or respect have set to kind of meet those standards.
1: Right. So, yes, you're right. I do say set goals every day. But let's elaborate yeah. because I think there are two aspects to okay. setting goals. First of all, entering the mindset of setting goals. Okay. Very often we wake up, and this is something I took upon myself years ago. But very often we, I used to wake up. And the first thing I would do is go to my cell phone. You know, what emails did I miss? Yeah. What news did I miss? And now I wake up and I say, no, my cell phone can wait. Let me put myself in the mindset of goals. Okay. Let me think about the upcoming day. What and you what want I the really day to, need look to look achieve. like for you, exactly. to you. Yeah. Before the news of the day can pull me into all Changes sorts of directions. For, yes,
0: put you on their agenda. That's right.
1: right. Where, where I then forget about what I how am I needed uh, by God himself, right? during this coming day. So that's the mindset of goals. And then secondly, obviously, is to set goals that are, number one, other-oriented, mm-hmm. yet aligned completely with
0: my skills and talents and with what I believe God wants of me. You um, you, you give us that line, and you tell us that in the podcast after you tell us a little bit of a story about your teacher, uh, a line uh, from your teacher, Adine Steinsaltz. First, of all, I have to tell you, we we bring up your teacher often because you invoke and quote him often. It's a beautiful thing that you do. I love that you have this respect. For those of us that were privileged to have great teachers, this is how they live on, right? They live on through their students, and perhaps that's how Moses was thinking, too, in his last day of life. That's what he was doing, teaching, so that we would keep these commandments, so that we would continue to invoke him, and we still do. But <clears throat> you quoted him as saying... Um, he was not afraid of death. What he fears is life. Mm -hmm. You want to talk a little bit about that? That's
1: a powerful line he once shared with me. Because I asked him, are you afraid of death? He said, no. What I do fear is life itself. And I said to him, what does that mean? And he says, well, I fear whether I'm truly living every day to the fullest. And uh, by the way, this came with an anecdote that wasn't in the podcast this week. But then he came to share with me um, the story about this great rabbi who passed away And someone came to visit the students to bring them comfort. And he asked the students, what was the most important thing in your rabbi's life? And they said there was no such thing. So the guy continued and said, well, there must be. Was it his family? Was it his teachings? There was no such thing. So he said, please explain that to me. And the students answered, well, everything that our rabbi did at that moment, that thing was the most important thing in his life. And that is what it really means to be afraid of life. Am I truly living life? To the fullest, to to my utmost potential, or am I letting
0: the clock tick and time just slip by? It's kind of, It's it's an interesting thing to say that that at that moment, watching that rabbi, that was the most important thing in his life. There is this thing about the students of great teachers, particularly in rabbinical lore, of living their life in emulation of their great teacher or their great rabbi or rebbe. Not just the way they dress but the way they dress, uh, not just the w- way they eat, but the way they eat and what their particulars are. I mean, that is the best kind of teaching is by example. We've always been told that it's probably the best kind of student, too, who I'll takes try. that. Let me pick up on that when when we come right back. Welcome back to the hello, Seth Liebson Show. Rabbi Pinchas Alush is my guest, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E, Congregation Beth Tefila on Shea Boulevard, and the Rabbi Alush podcast on Apple Podcasts. So this is where sometimes—I'm going to ask you to be a rabbi and a psychologist for a moment, if I can. Sure. Doctor. <laughs> I can try. <laughs> <laughs> I don't promise. <laughs> um, this is where I freak out. On this very point, when your teacher, your great uh, teacher Rabbi Stein says, "What I fear is life." Am I living the life I should be living? Mm-hmm. Because if I am, then I have nothing to fear at death. This, this is, this is, this. Is a, you'll, you'll know the expression. But there's the question of, 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 does someone live under the fear of God? Do they have the fear of God? I'm, I'm onto something, right? Mm-hmm. They have the fear. I don't know what the expression is, Hebrew right. or Yiddish. What is it? There it is. That's it. That's the one. It, it It can make someone nervous is what I'm trying to say. It can make someone nervous fearing life, I suppose, but you don't want to live a life in fear. But you do have these commandments and you do have these instructions and you do have this very strong language, particularly in this that. Gosh, I just hope I'm doing it right. There's a lot to do. I mean, you can look at me as opposed to looking at you and know there's a few differences here. But it it can freak someone out. Yeah. But you're right, and that's a great, <laughs> great point, a great a great observation and question.
1: Uh, it well, can, it comes from deep emotional angst. Right. <laughs> that we all have. You're just courageous to, to verbalize it. But I, I will say that, yes, there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of fear. Okay. You know, King Solomon himself says... In the book of Proverbs, Rishit Chochmai Rat Hashem, one of my favorite verses, the beginning of wisdom yeah, is the fear, the fear of God. Of God. Right. A little bit of fear is good. The question is whether the, this fear is motivating or this fear is paralyzing. Okay. Now, the fear that we ought to, to have is a fear that is motivating, that is keeping us you know, going and, and uh, making us grow, not a fear, God forbid, that paralyzes us and depresses us. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And what's nice, too, are the kind of um, mercies, I suppose one might say, or the forgivenesses that are involved here, because there is this whole set of literature—you bring it here to this show quite uh, often—where from— Talmudic statements that if you just do this one thing, that's enough to open up the gates. I think one time it was something about forgiving, uh, something about forgiving someone who had done you wrong is enough right. to open the gates, or saying a kind word to someone who's in a depressed state was enough. And I thought, okay, now I'm—that's uh, <laughs> all I need. That's but right. there are these, there are these gates yes. of mercy. Absolutely, there are these gates of mercy.
1: And as we are living a life that is accountable, mm-hmm. which is really the purpose of of this fear of God, mm-hmm. to make us accountable, then we have to know that, yes, sometimes we'll slip, but God is all forgiving, and he'll pick us up, and we'll continue from that point on. You know, uh, if I may add, on a different level, we're speaking about the fear of God, I want to equate that to stress. Okay, good. Because I've I've uh, heard this sentence very often as a rabbi a year at all, that I'm sure you you too, You at all the time, I'm stressed. I wish I wasn't stressed. And I always say to people, a little bit of stress is good. It's what makes you tick. It's what makes you live and go and achieve. Otherwise, you know, and my classic example is lobsters. You want to hear that from a rabbi, but how do lobsters grow? Do you know how lobsters grow? Lobsters have a body that becomes a little too small for the shell around them. The shell becomes very confining to that body when the body grows. So it has to go, the lobster has to go under a rock in the sea to shed this shell. And then it grows a new body with a bigger shell. But that bigger shell also becomes too confining Mm -hmm. for the body that is constantly growing. So it does that multiple times. Mm -hmm. So lobsters grow through stress. I think human beings do too. Learn
0: from the lobster, just don't eat the lobster. Is that, is that what you're saying? No, I, I've always liked that, though. I've always I, I've always liked that. And, and, and I suppose, too, having a little bit of stress so that you're motivated in life is a little bit like also not knowing the day of your death. Right. 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 If you exactly. knew the day of your death. In fact, I wrote it down. In fact, I wrote this down somewhere in my—he comes in with no notes. I come in— <laughs> Yes, but— but, but you're right, look. Repent bu- one day before your death, mm-hmm. Rebbe Eliezer said. His disciple says, but does a person know on what day he or she is going to die? Rabbi Eliezer, Eliezer says, all the more reason, therefore, to repent today, lest one die tomorrow. In, the, in this manner, one's whole life will be spent in repentance. Beautiful. Well, I wrote it down. I didn't oh, make it all that that's, right. Okay. that's right. That's right. That
1: is caused, thanks to a little bit of stress, a little bit of fear yeah, of God.
0: Yeah. Let's pick up on that when we come back. I want to do a little bit more on Moses with you as well. Rabbi Pinchas Alush will be our, is our guest, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Rabbi Pinchas Alush is my guest, so generous with his time and uh, brain. Uh, thank you for being with us, Rabbi. Um, this point about not knowing the day we die and being afraid of life, I, I, I wrote down another piece um, from another scholar uh, that goes to your point about stress. If we didn't have a little bit of stress, we would accomplish nothing and do nothing. It says, "'If God didn't conceal from each person the day of his death, no one would build a house or plant a vineyard. Each person would th- Each person would think, rather, tomorrow I will die. Why should I work for others?' Thus, God concealed the day of a person's death, so that He will build and plant. If he merits a long life, he will enjoy the fruits of his labors. If he doesn't, doesn't if he doesn't, others will benefit from his work.
1: Mm. Very good, very good. That's right. So do it. You know, there's a great saying that Don't says, "Don't put off." Right. That's right. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> Mark Twain said it humorously: "Don't push off for
0: tomorrow." What you can do the day after tomorrow. (laughs) All right. I'll give you Yachlut Shmoni and you give me Mark Twain. um, That's how this works around here, folks, just so you know. Okay.
1: (laughs) No problem. But really, (laughs) uh, I would paraphrase the sentence that says that anything worth doing is worth doing well. Mm -hmm. Apparently, the Bavacharebbe that we've quoted many times, too, would say anything worth doing is worth doing now. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Because
0: you don't know the day. Right. And it's such an interesting contrast going back to the first thing. It's such an interesting question about but the most I don't know, hard to say most important, most well known up there <laughs> up there, Moses. We are very clear on him knowing his day. You probably know this. I want to share it with the audience. You've probably heard it. May may I take a privilege of reading to you just from a moment for a moment from a philosophy teacher named Walter Kaufman. Sure. Moses went away to die alone, lest any man should know his grave, to worship him there, or attach any value to his mortal soul. Having seen Egypt, he knew how prone men were to superstitions. Going off to die alone, he might have left his people with the image of a mystery, with the thought that he did not die but went up to heaven, with the notion that he was immortal and divine. Instead, he created an enduring image of humanity. He left his people with the thought that, being human and imperfect, He was not allowed to enter the Promised Land, but he then went up the mountain to see it before he died. The Jews have been so faithful to his spirit that they have never worshipped him in that sense. What the Jews have presented to the world has not been Moses or any individual, but their ideas about God not elevating Moses beyond what he was. It is a measure of Moses' greatness that one cannot but imagine that he would have approved wholeheartedly it would have broken his heart if he had thought that his followers built temples to him make med- images of him or elevate him into heaven mm. fair enough because he does kind of die in that kind of sense doesn't he he just kind of quietly goes off that's right don't
1: until today right. even right it's uh, the scripture says until today no one knows where he's buried there are many takes on that i i like what you had to to say um it's not I'll, a particularly
0: religious source, right, by the way. But, right, right.
1: You know. I'll share another take, and that is that Moses usually got his way with God. Mm-hmm. When he wanted something, he usually made it happen. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we believe in the Messiah, and the Messiah that will bring an ultimate era of peace to the world. And one of the great commentaries says that we do not know when Moses is buried because if we would, we then we would go hope. and pray there. And then Moses would have to ask of God what we are asking of him yeah. or of God through him, yeah. and that is for that era to come. And God wants us to earn that redemption, yeah. not just for it to come automatically. Yeah. And therefore, he concealed the place in which Moses was buried so that we wouldn't uh, re- you know, receive any prayer that we wish through Moses without us uh, really
0: deserving them. Again, an interesting paradox between Moses and every other Jew since, over which we have to know very specifically where they're going to be buried. And there are certain rituals that are very important about taking care of that person when they die. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, you always will correct me. I hope you know that you should. Um, That it's really the, the most respected elders in the community who come together to help Prepare that body once it does die. I mean, there is a huge amount of ritual and knowing and specificity to everyone but Moses when they die, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. Another the one paradox. who took care of Moses when he died was God. Right. And, you know, again,
1: the Torah describes that a little bit. But you're right. There is tremendous respect we owe to a lifeless body. Why? Because this body, after all, was the vehicle for the soul to yeah. do good in this world. And therefore, it became good. It became sanctified through the good deeds that it did. So it deserves our respect, and it deserves to be buried with dignity. Yeah. That's that, like you said, that tremendous honor that the, honor, is that, to uh, be uh, the known. elders give. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And uh, until today, you know, even according to Jewish tradition, there are many laws that apply to how to deal with dead bodies because dead bodies are not just dead bodies. They are bodies that have absorbed so much holiness, even so much of the soul that was with it, and bodies that did so much good that they deserve our respect.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. There's a power. Great point. Would it be fair to say that even in, pardon the vulgarity of it, but even in the laying dead body, there is a power that is emanating. There Absolutely. is a power that is there that needs to be harnessed correctly. That's right. dealt with correctly. That's and certain people shouldn't even approach. Right.
1: Right? Right. Right. Exactly, yeah. I mean— you have you know, the priests that mm. shouldn't approach because they should remain pure. But um, I, I just want to add one thing to, to the treatment of dead bodies. Mm. And that is that it's interesting because you know one of the beautiful and most dignifying Jewish customs is that a dead body should not be left alone. Right. There should be what is called a shomer, right. which means a person right. that protects the body yeah. by reciting prayers next to it. Why? Because we really believe that not only is this dead body holy, as we just mentioned, but that the soul, in a way, remains connected to its body. You know, every one of us is made of a body and a soul, and they work together in this world in order, again, to accomplish all that we accomplish. But even after death, the soul remains connected to its vehicle, to its body. And uh, when it dies, the soul is still there very much by its body. And also when the soul wants to communicate to us in this world, it goes through the body, and that's why there is this custom, too, to visit the graves of the righteous, to pray uh, through them, to ask them to be our advocates, because in a way, again, the soul's channel in this world is through their body.
0: As you did most recently by visiting that's right. your teacher, Rabbi Steinsalt, uh, at his grave site and um, as you, like the children of Moses, continue to spread their teaching... Thank you, Rabbi Penkos Thank Alush. you, Seth. Always a pleasure. Thank A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E, the Rabbi Alush podcast. Congregation Beth Tefilah, if you want to see him in person. He's uh, everyone welcome. Yeah, everyone is welcome, religious yeah. or not, Jewish or not. T-E-F-I-L-L-A-H. Be right back with a final thought. Thanks for spending some of your day, some of your week with us. Uh, portions of this show brought to you by the good people at Y-Refi. Y-Refi is a great investment um, led by great people, very active in the community, uh, and uh, investing with them is supporting an investment that actually helps people. At Y-Refi, you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated. The investment with Y-Refi is not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve if you are concerned about stock market volatility or inflation in the Federal Reserve. You can turn your income on or off. You can pound it, whatever you like, with Y-Refi. There are absolutely no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio, and there's no attack or reduction or penalty on principle. If you ever need your money back at any time, you get a monthly statement. It comes with no surprises. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888 y 24 That's 888-Y-REFI-24. I'm thinking a lot about foxholes this week, young David. And um, when you think of foxholes and you see someone like Rabbi Alush coming in and leaving, you think of the old phrase, there are no atheists in foxholes, you know, um, meaning that uh, in trying times or in extremists, um, it's hard to find an atheist. Everyone kind of becomes a little bit more reliant upon a prayer or a belief in God, or decides to pray perhaps for the first time, or one of the rare times in their lives when they're in a foxhole. And I'm just wondering if maybe in some respects, some of what he was talking to us about this uh, this week, this past hour, is that uh, we, we, we may want to think of about every day being one. We all have uh, the foxholes for the battles we fight, the kind of stuff we talk about here during the week. And we also have our internal foxholes, don't we? Adam, I hope this isn't heretical um, or disrespectful. Adam Carolla claims to be an atheist. But he said something and says something occasionally very interesting about how what he believes about and re, with regard to the afterlife once someone dies. And he said they live on—these people do have an afterlife. They live on in the memories they leave— to others and the memories they have left, the imprints they have left on others. When you think about them, or when you quote them, or when you say something they said and quote them, that's to him, in his atheistic worldview, admittedly, how people live on. But it seems to me it's just a really interesting way to think about how we respect our teachers, how we respect our older elders, and about maybe the kind of life we want to lead as well, and the kind of memories we want to leave, the kind of imprints we want to leave, the kind of impressions we want to leave on others. And maybe, as when the rabbi said, set goals every day, maybe that's a good goal for us all to keep in mind. What is the impression I want to leave on others today? Probably not a bad one, that. Folks, thanks again for spending some of your afternoon with us. David Dahl, thank you for a great week. Until Monday, God bless you all. I'm Seth Liebson, and class is dismissed.